0: Hello, I'm Joe. I'm John. And I'm Lubna, and this is In Orbit.
1: Though produced by KBR, this podcast is for anyone and everyone inside or outside our business. In each new episode, we're going to be talking about what's happening in the world and in our various industries, covering everything from science, technology, and engineering to sustainability, inclusion and diversity, and much more.
0: But the main goal is to connect with you and to stay in each other's well. We're going to be talking about a lot of cool and interesting stuff on the podcast, but the thing we want
2: to focus on most is people. And we do that in a couple of different ways on the show. One of the ways we like to do that is to highlight one of our amazing colleagues to learn about who they are, what they do, and what makes them tick in a segment we call connections. Another way is through a segment we like to call Triple P, where we talk about people, their passion, and how they're turning it into progress not just at KBR, but in our related industries and the world at large.
1: For our connection segment in these first few episodes, we thought we'd take the opportunity to introduce you to our team so you can get to know us, your hosts.
0: Welcome to the second connection segment of our podcast and since Joe has spoken with um, Mona and Ulysses in this episode, uh, we'd like to get to know a little more about Joe as well as her interview experience with the two. So uh, tell us, Jo, where
2: are you from and how and when did you join KBR? So I, um, I've had a very boring life. I've always <laughs> lived in Surrey in, in Leatherhead, which is where our office is. Um, I've lived there forever and I still do. And I probably always will. <laughs> I like my comfort. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been in Surrey for my entire life. Um, love to travel, but st- will always stay local, I think, for mm-hmm. where I live. Um, and I joined KBR in 2018. So I've been here just over three years. Um, I just came back from a trip to India, Sri Lanka, and Australia. Um, I kind of had a mini sabbatical between my two jobs and then, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it was really fun. I think I was back 48 hours and I had the interview and got the job at KBR. So I was like, okay, I can breathe. I've got a job again.
1: (laughs) That's excellent. Yeah.
0: And um, Joe, I was listening to your interview and it's fabulous. And I heard that um, Ulysses, who's been with KBR for 30 years, talked about how the new, um, you know, culture where people uh, are at the fore has emerged and how it was so easy uh, during the pandemic to actually have meetings rather than travel. And I also saw that you did a fabulous Instagram life. So um, I would like to know from you, is that something that you picked up during the pandemic times or... Like, did
2: you think about it before? Um, so, I guess with our KBR socials, I've always wanted to expand what we do. I think we're really great at getting posts out there every day. I know our content guy, JP, he constantly has people coming at him with stuff that they want to post, which is brilliant.
1: Shout um, out, John Paul.
2: Yeah, shout out. We love you.
1: <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> but we do always keep yeah. them quite static in terms of they are always posts, and I don't think we utilize the stories or the live functionalities that we, we do have available so I think the timing was just right with going into lockdown and with everything had to be online I know since working at KBR I've always wanted to try and do cross-country events and try and make stuff happen but at the time I don't think our IT capability was quite there when we were in the office to be able to do it but when we all came online it was just there ready available for us so I think there was kind of that natural transition into being able to do it um, and corporate was so supportive of it and they were both really great events. We've now done one on Facebook and one on Instagram. So watch the space. I'm hoping to do a LinkedIn Live at some point, but <laughs> I need to plan it.
0: <laughs> sure. Sure. I think, I think that, that was lovely. It was really nice. But I would also like to know from you, Joe, that how um, was your experience of interviewing Mona and uh, Ulysses? Because Ulysses has been here for like so long.
2: Yes. So Ulysses, um, I've known him pretty much since I joined the company. Um, He was heading up the Chennai office at the time. um, And he's just a bundle of energy, um, either on a call or in person. He's, um, I think, John Arnold, I don't know if you've met him, being in the Houston office. I
1: I think I met him briefly at the zero harm day just before lockdown happened in February of 2020.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's got a great energy um, and he always has, but he's he's very passionate about people and what he does. So um, I loved interviewing him. And as we mentioned on the podcast, um, we just done this uh, event together on the broken panel. So that was really nice to kind of reconnect after that and discuss it a little bit. And Mona, I've actually been able to work with more closely recently as well. Um, She works for the advisory consulting business and they are making huge waves i think in the industry and they're doing lots of events and getting lots of exposure um, and mona is key for that she, i just worked with her on a white paper she did um on hydrogen and she's doing lots of events speaking about it it's her it's her expertise so it was great to speak to both of them um and just introduce them more in their roles in the company
1: i want to ask um like talk a little bit about how your background experience has sort of prepared you for what it is you do at kbr
2: um i think a lot of it was luck so i (laughs) (laughs) i didn't go to university um i finished my a levels which is what we have in the uk um before you Mm -hmm. would go to university um i had a year out and i did move to america for a year um i was oh wow where'd you live I was in Washington, D.C., Um, so I moved there when I was 19, and I looked after two kids um, and had the best year ever. It was brilliant. Um, Came back when my year was up and realized that I actually had to be a grown-up and get a proper job if I wasn't going to go to (laughs) university, Um, so I fell into just a receptionist role um, at a marketing company, Um, and I was there for four years, and my role developed, and I picked up. Um, I became PA to the CEO and I started doing um, finance and events and um, shopper marketing and experiential marketing. And it was a small company. So I kind of had an overview of everything that was going on and kind of got to experience everything that was going on, which was which was brilliant. Um, And then, as I mentioned, I finished that, went traveling for a bit. And then joined KBR again as a a personal assistant to one of the senior vice presidents who now looks after the new business, which is technology-led industrial solutions. Um, So I was with him for the duration of being at KBR and then um, naturally transitioned into communications with the role I was doing with him anyway. He needed some support on it. Um, So I transitioned into comms. And then since last August, I'm now in comms full-time, in comms and marketing. So... Yeah, I kind of always had that background, um, and I think it just took me having that and then moving into where I'm now to realize how much I love it and it's what I want to do.
1: I mean, it's, yeah, you're a a natural communicator, and I think that that really shows in this very broad-ranging interview with uh, Mona and Ulysses um, that I'm excited for all of our listeners to get to check out uh, right now.
2: This segment of the podcast is called Triple P, where we talk about people, their passion, and how they're turning it into progress at KBR, as well as in similar industries and the world at large. There have been a huge number of changes in the last two years, and the world have evolved drastically. KBR has been through its own changes. In 2019, KBR unveiled its then new brand to the world, a brand that better reflects its position as an agile, future forward, and sustainable provider of a science, technology, and engineering solutions, solutions that really are changing the world. To commemorate our anniversary, we're talking with some of the folks from across KBR about what they've seen and experienced since joining KBR, and to get their perspectives on how the company and our industries have changed. Today I'm joined by two guests from our Sustainable Technology Solutions business segment. Welcome Ulysses and Mona. I'll start by giving a little bit of a background about both of our guests. So starting with Ulysses Goree, he is the Senior Vice President for Sustainable Technology Solutions. He served as the Senior Vice President of KBR's Integrated Solutions America's Business, and he's been with KBR for 30 years now. He's well experienced in all phases of project management and construction management across various industries, including refining, LNG and petrochemicals. Ulysses recently led the Chennai Operations Centre in India as the Managing Director and held other executive level positions including Project Director, Director of Engineering and Director of Operations. Ulysses is a Certified Project Management Professional and holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Engineering and Master's degree in Business Administration. Moving on to Mona Baggett, our Business Development Manager for the Sustainable Technology Solutions business. Mona is currently working for the global advisory and consulting arm of KBR in the sustainable technology solutions business. Mona has been working within the global advisory and consulting team in a leadership position within Energy Transition with a focus on strategic advice and project development. Mona has 22 years of experience leading projects and transactions from an advisory, technical and broad sustainability and environmental perspective. Mona specializes in strategy and development in energy and infrastructure and brings several years of experience with leading energy clients globally. She works with clients in the renewable energy and oil and gas sectors, as well as with governments to release the opportunities arising from these technologies. Some facts about Mona. She has a strategic view across the entire value chain and the life cycle of energy developments, specifically with respect to energy transition projects like CCUS and hydrogen. She's an SME, a subject matter expert for Sour Gas Technologies and CCUS in KVR's group-wide directory of technical authorities and has led various technical-based projects. So now you know a little bit of a background about both of our guests, let's dive right in um, and we will start to get to know you a little bit better. So Ulysses and Mona, thank you so much for joining me today, welcome um i will start with a question that is for both of you um and mona if you would like to go first i'll ask about when you joined kbr and your reasons for joining
3: thanks um uh, joanna i joined kbr in march 2018 and previously worked for petrofax advisory consulting business going back a few years i remembered i was interviewed by kbr on behalf of Adnoc for a process manager's role for one of the largest sargas projects in the world it was being executed by KBR at the time. Ultimately, it didn't work out since the client chose an internal candidate. However, my discussions with the then process manager uh, led to a further discussion on a potential vacancy in the KBR process group at Leatherhead. The reason I moved to KBR was mainly due to its technology background and focus on process technologies, specifically its expertise in areas such as gas, sargas processing, LNG, and GTL. My career has been highly focused on technology and technology based projects, and I was looking for a company that shared the same ethos and focus on technology.
2: Amazing, thank you. And Ulysses, when did you become part of the KBR family and what was the catalyst for your move?
4: Yes, I started with KBR 30 years ago, and it was in um, 1991, I remember like it was uh, yesterday. And at, at the time, there was I had several opportunities. There was um, several manufacturing companies that wanted me to join the organization. And then they were going to kind of put me in a manager's role where they had others to do the engineering for them. And I actually I wanted to do engineering. And what, what made me gravitate to KBR was the ability for me to execute engineering projects. I mean, I had an engineering degree. I was ready to do engineering. And so that's what kind of gravitated me to, uh, to KBR at the time.
2: 1991, Ulysses, you were you joined KBR before I was born.
4: That is correct. That is correct. But 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 I tell everybody I started when I was two.
2: Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's it. yeah. Still so youthful.
4: There you go. That's it.
2: And since joining the company, what are some standout changes that the company has made? Uh, Ulysses, you're welcome to go first.
4: You know, for me, I think the the, the greatest focus ever I've seen the change has been on people and culture. You know, I started here thirty years ago, and uh, I remember I used to take uh, take time out. I celebrated Juneteenth since I was a as a kid. And I remember uh, I used to go to my managers and tell them I want to take off for Juneteenth and Juneteenth. What is Juneteenth? Right. And and now here recently we had our CEO, Stuart Brady, giving a seminar with 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 Lester Lyles about Juneteenth. So, I mean, the people and the culture has definitely been the focus of KBR and the biggest change that I've seen. Over the last thirty years.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I joined in 2018, and even in that short period, there's been such drastic changes. Um, it's like an entirely different company. So I think we're making big steps all the time, which is brilliant. And Mona, what about you? What do you think you've seen that's been some standout changes?
3: So as you as you've just said, that you know our, our focus was um, very energy dominant. But now, today, uh, we've taken a complete shift and the the company has uh, taken bold and um, really, really bold steps uh, today to move in the right direction. Um, We see climate change shifting customer preferences, demand for greater financial accountability, and unprecedented levels of business competition, which all require a newer, newer way of working, Uh, technological breakthrough and leadership that can rapidly scale uh, deployment. The KPR business has gone through a massive, massive change in the past few years, and there has been a strategic shift in the energy business, and the focus has been more on the engine too. The energy transition and the shift to a low-carbon economy are disrupting industries, but also they're creating new opportunities as we see them. Companies must develop a second engine growth that is Engine 2 that combines the assets of the core business with a new entrepreneurial energy. And Engine 2 signals to investors and new talent that the company is looking forward and developing new business that can thrive through the energy transition. Successful Engine 2 is focused on customers' evolving needs and adopts a mentality which allows them to compete in this market. So the sustainable technology business kicker, as Stuart likes to call it, is an Engine 2 that is focused on the future of KBR's new energy business, including blue and green hydrogen, ammonia and carbon capture and storage, which is a key enabler for decarbonising industry. And the coming years are going to be critical for the industries that supply energy to the world's economies. In this short span, while they keep their current businesses running, most will be reinventing themselves as a business that also moves the world closer to a low carbon sustainable future. KBR is also reinventing itself as a business as it moves towards a more sustainable future through the Sustainable Technology Solutions business and is developing its engine to initiatives.
2: Yeah, and I mean, you're right in the heart of it. So it's an exciting time, I think, to be part of that side of the business, kind of making those changes and doing it for the first time.
3: Absolutely. It's it's one of the kind of the, the, the best place to be in yeah. the business because we are, we are spearheading new Territory, new Engine 2 initiatives, which we've never done before. Yeah. And so, so it's, it's exciting and it's also challenging, but we're, we're all quite excited about the future of Engine 2. <laughs> we're ready for it. <laughs> yes.
2: So KBR celebrated 100 years of the business in 2019, our focus used to be very energy dominant, but there's been a complete 180 shift and today the company is now mostly government solutions with, as you said, an outstanding sustainable technology business kicker that our CEO likes to call it. So this decision was made to maintain stability and avoid the volatility of high risk markets. Ulysses, um, as COVID-19 hit, Saudi Arabia initiated a price war on oil with Russia, which facilitated in a 65% quarterly fall in the price of oil, sparking another downturn in the industry. As I just mentioned, the energy market is very volatile. How did the America's business adapt from this to fall in its current position? And what direction will it be going to look at ahead?
4: Yeah, very good question, uh, Joanna. You know, when when COVID-19 hit on top of the the Saudi Arabia issue with, with all, You know, we looked at how can we better position ourselves. And so we looked at, we exited the lump sum EPC projects. I mean, a lot of our competitors, you can see that that it was a tough market for everybody to absolutely be in, as well as low margin projects. So we kind of exited that particular business and that particular model, and we focus on delivering high end differentiated solutions for our customers. And so with that, I'm excited about the future. As Mona talked about it, our energy transition going from the uh, engine one to engine two, being able to offer Different, whether, whether it's CCUS and whether it be, whether it be um, uh, biofuse, the team is is readily positioned for the energy market of the future and I'm very, very excited about that.
2: Yeah, I think it's incredible that even at this early stages, there are so many alternative fuels that can be replacing what we used to use, um, so I feel like there's so many different segments that we can get into as well, which is brilliant. Mona, Advisory Consulting are a competitive leader in the energy transition market. You support governments and customers to find sustainable solutions to traditional oil and gas methods. When did you first see that change start and what future trends lie ahead for the industry?
3: So Joanna, as COVID-19 hit the energy business alongside all of the businesses, it became increasingly clear that the energy transition was the path forward and early signs of that change started to take effect after the first lockdown in March 2020 last year. And many companies after that have set ambitious decarbonisation goals in the recent months, responding to pressure from governments, uh, activists, investors and consumers. Delivering on these ambitions will not be easy. The strong commitment to decarbonisation by governments worldwide has triggered an unprecedented wave of momentum in the hydrogen industry and the decarbonisation industry as well. Climate change was racing up to the corporate agenda before COVID-19. Some thought the pandemic would delay action on climate change given its longer horizon. But in 2021, climate action looks more urgent than ever. Nearly every large company has announced bold decarbonisation ambitions. Many that include not only the emissions from their own operations, but also those along the supply chain and through to the end users of their products. So with today's energy transition driven largely by social preferences and at the same time by an urgency for dramatic changes in the global energy system to be delivered within unprecedented time frames, government support remains a key factor. And firmer policies, including clearer hydrogen strategies, carbon capture and storage targets and carbon pricing regulation, along with financial support, will be required to bridge the cost gap develop renewable capacities, build transportation infrastructure, and storage sites. Governments today are committed to hydrogen as a part of their climate change strategies as well. And given that hydrogen is one of the key energy transition pillars, it is not only to make it economically viable, but also maximise the decarbonisation impact and minimise its resource requirements. As a result of these strengthened climate commitments, that everyone's talking about today. Attention has also been redrawn to the deployment of carbon capture, utilization, and storage technologies, which are considered as a central pillar for carbon abatement. IEA, through its um, Energy Technology Perspective Report, highlighted the critical role that CCUS can play as one of the four key pillars of global energy transition alongside electrification, bioenergy, and hydrogen
2: and you touched on it earlier um you said you know during the pandemic kbr and other companies had to reimagine their business to continue working seamlessly um and that's kind of been touched on absolutely globally um what are some of the things you think that practices or processes that the businesses have adopted that are going to be here to stay moving forward um and that's to both of you
3: okay Okay. So the agile working practices and the flexibility of working from home, as we know, it brings along with it challenges. However, it also means that employees have a work-life balance, especially after the pandemic, which is very important for everyone's mental health. There are many positives to virtual work. For example, less wasted time, greater flexibility. Employees want to focus on flexibility and well-being, potential for greater inclusion. And of course, real estate costs are much lower. There are also some negatives, however, of virtual work, and that is less interaction with colleagues, loneliness loneliness and lack of team spirit and longer working hours and no boundaries between work and home. And a hybrid working model is here to stay and employees are already adopting and opting to work from the office two to three days a week on an average as we see it today. And employees are concerned about their work life balance. Um, and and my, my main worry and my question to everyone is, how do we get the hybrid working model right for KBR? Um, now is the time, as we reimagine the post-pandemic organisation, to pay careful attention to the effects of choices on organisational norms and cultures, focus on the ties that bind our people together and pay heed to the core aspects of, of our own leadership and that of our broader group of leaders and managers. Our opportunity today is to fashion the hybrid virtual model that best fits KBR and let it give birth to a new shared culture for all employees that provides stability, social cohesion, identity and belonging, whether our employees are working remotely or on premises or in some combination of the both. And, and in my opinion, more communications are needed to be passed on to employees with a vision of the post-pandemic working model so that the employees can work out what best fits their individual needs as well as the company's needs.
2: Yeah, and I think that hybrid model will be kind of what will really balance out what we have previously of working in the office all the time to always working at home and finding that balance. Yes. And I think with anything, there's going to be those teething issues of getting the balance right of being in the office, but also working from home. And then, as you say, once we've got that right, um, I think it's just it's going to be um, dramatically changing people's
3: work life balance. And it's going to give birth to a new model, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a model developed by all of us yeah. uh, working together in, what, in, in whichever way we, we think works best in terms of productivity as well.
2: Yeah. Ulysses, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that as a, as a leader.
1: Yeah,
4: I, I do. And, and Mona did a great job in captioning the employee side. And I want to speak a little bit on the, on the business side. You know, our the transformation that I see after COVID. You know, we. We would get on the plane and we fly for twenty four hours to go meet a meet a client across the globe for a one hour two hour meeting and then you have to fly back and and now with um, whether it's Zoom or Teams you can have that meeting and our clients are embracing it right and so it's not just us want to push it on our clients it's our clients are embracing the Zoom or Team meetings where we can absolutely have that interface with. Our client. The second portion of that is project execution. You know, we have expertise all around the globe, like like Mona in uh, energy transition. That instead of her flying from 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 the UK to to United States to work on a project, we can absolutely use her skill set on our particular projects, and she don't have to travel back and forth leave her family and come here and execute a project. So from the business side of the model, I think there's, we we definitely have changed and it's here to stay.
2: And then, I mean, with that as well, you've got the sustainability piece in there, the fact that people aren't traveling back and forth. And I think especially when it comes to clients, there's no longer that expectation, whereas before it was to be expected that you would fly out no matter when it was. So um, there's been a real shift in everyone's perspective, which is is brilliant to see. Yeah.
4: I agree.
2: Earlier we spoke a little bit about people. Um, So Ulysses, you and I both were on a panel earlier in the month. We did a virtual seminar about the broken rung and the challenges females sometimes face to advance their career. I was lucky enough to moderate it and you were lucky enough to be on it with me. Um, And I think the conversation was really Mm -hmm. honest and open. It's clear KBR are on a journey and are supporting women in the business as much as possible. You spoke of times where you yourself have seen challenges of the of the broken rung, and that it exists. Can you please elaborate and share how you changed what you saw?
4: Yeah, I, I when I when I took over several positions and and uh, throughout the organization, not not just not just here, but when I. Go in and I evaluate my uh, my managers and start looking at where they where they are, and then I I seen that there were some. Um, some places where there could be room for improvement and and I immediately jumped in and made those adjustments to be more of a level playing field whether it was female or whether it was it was male but but I made sure that I went in and made those adjustments to make sure that it was more fair across across the board and I really think that KBR does a great job and and being fair to, uh, to the employees as well as their, their pay scale or their position within, uh, within yeah. the
2: organisation. And Mona, as a female in the business, can you share some of your experiences you've had? Have you ever faced a challenge in your career progression due to your gender or have you been given opportunities and support throughout? And what do you think could be done to ensure there's parity with your male colleagues?
3: As a female in the business, I'd like to share some of my experiences. And, and this is, this is, this is uh, something that is very close to my heart. Uh, since I joined KBR in 2018, I've been the leadership, of, leadership chair for Aspire. As you know, Joanna, uh, I have been leading some of the interesting projects in Aspire, including providing guidance and mentoring female talent within KBR, with, of course, support from the leadership team. Um, I also spearheaded um, uh, some initiatives where we looked at mentoring younger school girls and bringing them to STEM careers, as well as um, looking at uh, women in middle management and how they can step up to senior um, roles. I have personally faced a lot of challenges in my career progression, as every woman and man does through through their career, how accepting those challenges and stepping up to it is is what, is what is very important. And the most important, in my opinion, is to challenge the status quo. If you do have to ask difficult questions, do ask them, don't shy away. I've seen that more support comes from asking the right questions rather than not asking them at all. Um, The next question is, have I ever faced challenges in my career progression due to my gender, or have I been given opportunities and support throughout? So, to answer that, in my journey so far in KBR, I have worked in various roles and led various projects including some of the prestigious accounts like Shell and I'm very lucky to have been given the opportunity to work in these positions by KBR. I would have liked to be identified in some of the projects as the lead, however due to male dominance in the energy industry, I was never given the responsibility or named as the lead. This is a good example of how the broken rung exists and women are left behind, even if they are competent and capable of managing leadership positions. I'd like to give you an example of how KBR has helped me and supported me. Uh, When the first lockdown occurred last year, the business was going through a right sizing and was gearing up for the engine too. I was put on notice for redundancy since the business was going through a reorganisation. How a position for a business development manager was advertised on workday that I applied for internally in the advisory and consulting business. I was identified and selected as one of the candidates who would be spearheading the energy transition initiatives in KBR. I was very energized to join the advisory consulting group and was identified as new talent that the company is looking forward to and developing new business that can thrive through this energy transition. I appreciate the support that the KBR leadership extended in identifying talent and retaining it within the company. Since then, I've been working with the global advisory consulting team in a leadership position in the energy transition team. My journey within advisory consulting, though short, has been about nine months so far, has been very rewarding. And I've been pushing the boundaries of my comfort zone to aspire and achieve my next leadership role in KBR. I'm sure that the senior leadership team will support my initiatives and development as I move through to the next steps of my career. And just to answer your last question, Joanna, what can be done to ensure parity with male colleagues? I think everyone at KBR is concerned about gender parity with pay and grades at KBR. We have done a lot already and it is clear that we need to do a lot more. We should have more visibility for women in leadership positions I know that Jenny Miles and, uh, has, has published a report recently on this, which is a step in the right direction. And your session talking about women in senior positions and leadership positions with Stuart and Ulysses recently was, a, was, a, was an eye-opener. It was amazing. I, I, I attended the session and I think it's a, it's a great step in the right direction for the company to openly ask these difficult questions. At KBR, we should provide leadership and management training courses for women and identify talent internally. It is important that we at KBR look for candidates within the business and that we don't reach outside for external candidates at every opportunity we get. Hiring women in senior leadership positions should be a priority with internal candidates. An external candidate should be considered only if no one steps up to the challenge. And of course, KBR should examine why no internal candidates have stepped up to apply for the role. This, I think, helps with upskilling the existing female talent pool within KBR. And KBR leadership uh, should think, about, think out of the box and provide adequate sponsorship to place women in senior leadership positions. At KBR, we have done a lot already with diversity and inclusion. At the same time, I think everyone agrees that there is still a lot more for all of us to do. So, in short, the years to come will be decisive for the development of women in leadership and to achieve gender parity. Progress over the past few years has been impressive in KBR. However, much needs to be done to develop the female leader or our next female CEO. And someday we will have the equality we all hope for. The next chapter in the journey requires senior leadership to translate their ambitious strategies into concrete measures to encourage and nurture women in leadership roles.
2: Thank you. That was really insightful, Mona. Um, and thank you to both of you, Ulysses and Mona. You were both fabulous. Um, <laughs> it You're was welcome. great to speak to you. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast um, and we look forward to sharing the next one with you.
1: Um, that is one of the more interesting like because we've we have the opportunity to hear and see so many different interviews and like the government solution stuff that we do is absolutely incredible it's all mind-blowing with astronauts and cyber and defense and everything But, but for my money this like the the sustainability and like everything that we're doing as far as energy transition is is Mm. to me, just some of the most fascinating stuff that this company gets to do. Yeah,
2: it's mind blowing what you can actually do. And I think we had this conversation the other day about how it's not necessarily taking um, a new product and thinking, okay, energy transition is X and we're gonna now go create a plant that's totally sustainable an alternative instead that's actually not being sustainable in itself it's about taking plants that already exist and then making them sustainable and altering what already has um to kind of get that that better outcome and i think right the work that some of the people do is just incredible i mean i'm not an engineer <laughs> i work in comms so <laughs> well above my pay grade but it's so interesting to hear about <laughs> right right
1: um really interested in hearing what Mona had to say about her experience. It was really inspiring to hear about her experience um, coming in through KBR and, and working with Aspire and working for gender parity, that was really, really interesting and inspiring. Yeah,
2: I agree. She, she's had quite a journey at KBR, and I think she's quite an inspiration in terms of kind of where she was and where she's got to. And she's a bold character. She's not afraid to say what she thinks. And I think that that's key for someone um, in the industry. And she was a perfect person to head up Aspire at the time. Um, for listeners who don't know Aspire is our gender diversity um, employee resource group so we've got a few of them and I'm sure they'll be touched on in other episodes but um, it's one of the many employee resource groups we have
1: and we hope that everyone listening will go back and listen to the first episode if you haven't already and get caught up and we're excited to create another one for you here in the next couple of days and uh, join us again next time